This is an ABC podcast. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name's Matt Brand. Welcome to the Country Hour. A live export ship in the middle of the Indian Ocean has been ordered to turn around and head back to Australia because of safety issues in the Middle East. A decision was made that let's return them and there is sufficient supplies on board for the animals uh, to make sure that their welfare is assured. Yeah, I'll have more on that story for you in just a moment. Also today, an update on how the wet season is treating this year's cotton crop in the Northern Territory. You'll hear from an agronomist who's been spending some time looking at crops around Catherine and the Douglas Daily. How is the cotton looking? You'll find out soon. It is good to be back. Big thanks to Dan Fitzgerald and Annie Brown for looking after the program while I was away. I've come back and it's wet. (laughs) Very wet. Rivers are up, roads are cut, and there's a lot of supermarket shelves in the top end looking very, very bare. I've got an update from Horizon, which operates the rail line. I'll share that with you very, very soon. I've got here from the Bureau that there's a minor flood warning in place for the Daly River, but that situation is easing. There's still a flood watch in place for the northwestern and parts of central NT, and there is a flood warning in place for the Victoria River. At Kaukaringi, it's estimated the river peaked at 14.10 metres yesterday, but it is now falling, according to the Bureau. And as for the Stuart Highway, I've been getting lots of messages from you about the Stuart Highway. Well, I can tell you that according to Secure NT, the Stuart Highway is temporarily open as we go to air, but it is set to be closed at 6 o'clock this evening. So it's open at the moment. Authorities will close it later on this evening at 6pm. In a statement, it says there are detours and strict traffic management in place. And after further assessments and repair works this evening, the highway is set to be reopened again tomorrow. So that's an unfolding situation. Make sure you stay up to date via Roads Report NT and also the Secure NT website. And I got a little message here from one of our Country Hour correspondents who's in Catherine today. And they've told me that they've seen a Centurion triple road train go past the Catherine Town Council office at about 11 o'clock this morning, heading north. So that is a good sign. That is a sign that the Stuart Highway has reopened. But as mentioned, set to close this evening at 6pm. Hello there. My name's Norm Hedditch from Taruna Proprietary Limited and we're Spanish mackerel fishermen in the Northern Territory and you're listening to The Country Hour. It is wet, wet, wet. Over the weekend, I wonder if you saw videos of the Victoria River in flood. The river, it went above 24 metres at the Vic River Roadhouse, with floodwaters sweeping through the roadhouse, the petrol station, the caravan park. Unbelievable footage. And yesterday, there were some people evacuated from the roadhouse. They were flown out of there. And one of them was truckie Max Henderson. Uh, Max, <laughs> welcome to the Country Hour. Tell us what happened there yesterday. Yeah, yesterday morning uh, I was scheduled to fly out and um, the chopper came in around 7 o'clock Darwin time and it was a bit of a mad scramble. Five of us uh, got on it and they, we were evacuated to Catherine. 
leaving a further five down there uh, on site, which um, three of them were truck drivers, one guy with a caravan and another guy with a camper trailer uh, and four dogs. So um, so that that's what happened yesterday. And then yesterday afternoon, another driver got evacuated. He, he's a uh, driver with the fuel tankers down there and... Um, he got evacuated out, and I got a bit of an update from him this morning to say that the water had come up further as to where we were parked. One of the trailers was sitting in water, uh, not a lot of water, but it was creeping up. So, And his prediction was uh, that the owner, Milton, uh, the pastoral owner slash roadhouse owner... Yeah, Milton Jones, probably, yep. yep. Yes, would, would probably bite the bullet and tell them at some stage they've got to go. I, I may be wrong with that, but uh, he's got a, quite a few concerns of his own homestead at the moment. It's, um, I think that's due to get flooded as well. I've seen your video, Max, of getting flown out, getting evacuated, and you can, you can yeah. see the trucks parked up on the highway. How are you feeling about the trucks? Oh, yeah, mate. How do you, how do you reckon that you got $480,000 worth of truck there plus your trailers and freight? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty daunting, mate. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's replaceable, sort of. We aren't. And from the time we moved from the roadhouse, which was a mad scramble on Saturday morning because the water had come around the back of us, and then started flowing through the the parking bay where we were parked. So we we got it up there and um, pretty quick. And that that was the highest ground we could um, scatter to. Uh, and from there, it's just been a, a wait and stay. But since the roadhouse shut down, we lost all amenities, uh, toilets, showers, mm-hmm. and Wi-Fi. So we really become isolated. A couple of the trucks had. Um, Sat phones, uh, but they were hit and miss. Um, sat phones are really a thing of the past now. Yeah, a bit of cloudy uh, weather and they're not much flash, yeah, are they? Yeah, they aren't, mate. I, uh, I think we've already got a Starlink going to go into ours. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that that's sort of what happened. And, and from that time on, mate, once we lost all sort of uh, sanitary-type accommodation it become a different issue you know by the time i got home i hadn't showered for three days and stuff like that um the bonus was um that one of the the triples one of the mclean's trailers had a freezer pan on it that was full of um, supplies for timber creek so uh as our supplies ran out we um we borrowed some from that under instruction so we had plenty of food there but uh it was more the sanitary type things and and the fact that i i'd been there since tuesday uh and i normally i normally get stuck most times most times four to five days and then you're off and running so you, you know so i've always got four or five days worth of goodies but um and, and so have, have you ever boys. been evacuated before no, never, mate. No, never. That's what I say. I've been, um, I've, I've been stuck on the rivers, and it might be one day, two days. Uh, but like most of them, uh, they come up and go down. But to be there for five days already with the water still rising, 
and the thought of being there for another two weeks, I would think, before anything starts opening up, um, is not not doable, mate. No, it's just just not good enough. So you got to sacrifice uh, your truck for. Uh, for a bit of living, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so you're now back in your hometown of Bustleton in the bottom of yes. WA. <laughs> yeah, we're thousands of kilometres away from the Vic River. What's the plan from here? Well, I've just got to ride it out, Matt. Uh, like anyone else that gets flown out of there, we uh, relying purely on main roads now uh, to monitor the situation closely and soon as practicable. Um, give us notification to get them vehicles out of there. Now, for me, it'll be a two-way option uh, as to which area opens first, and, uh, um, whether I come back through Catherine and come home through South Australia like I did last year, um, because I think that will open before the Timber Creek. Yeah, because uh, the tropical west low bones. is heading west. Yeah, well, that's, that's another issue. See, there's a... Uh, the spanner's been throwing at us everywhere here. The, the new the Fitzroy Crossing Bridge might get a real workout, potentially. Well, it, it would, yeah. I have, I'm, I'm a member of that page, and I haven't seen anything come up on there yet, but something will pop up. But um, the bridge will be fine, but with Fitzroy, it's the same old story. It's either side uh, will flood and still cut the communities off. So, you know, the bridge won't help that much. It'll only help when the water resides uh, the fact that it's still there. So, uh, but yeah, so it's just a waiting game, Matt. Uh, and I would like to think that all my co-drivers up there um, are okay and, and sort of get their marching orders to go out of there and um, just, yeah, get, get away from it. The other, other issue we had, Matt, there was a few crocs oh. starting to get around. Um, there was one in the car park uh, when we were hooking up trailers to evacuate Saturday morning and then where we parked the trucks you can see the trucks parked on the road to the left of them there was a couple of small ones swimming around there so as the water comes up it gets a bit nervous uh, when you're climbing in and out of them at night um, so that that's just another issue to deal with uh, and, you don't uh, get that in Bustleton Mm-mm. no you don't mate you do not you get uh, you get a nice beach and a and well what i experienced this morning was far better than i've had for the last seven days <laughs> um, on, but, a, on a positive note i bet the flight out was scenic and beautiful and i hope you saw oh, a few waterfalls yeah absolutely mate yeah be, before that bridge actually breached we could get right around the back where our trucks were facing and all along that escarpment there all the waterfalls were going and we got a lot of footage of that while we could drive there but now you can't even uh oh, 20 meters in front of the trucks as far as we're going but it, it is absolutely beautiful and i always say to people uh, pending this is a bad situation but if you're going to visit the northern territory go during the wet it's the best time yep. best time but uh, <laughs> I don't think they believe me now. So, uh. <laughs> um, well, all the best, and thanks for sharing some time for the Country Hour, Max. Really appreciate it. Good on you, mate. Cheers, Max Henderson, a truckie from WA, flown out of a flooded Vic River Roadhouse yesterday. This is the sound of the chopper taking Max to drier ground. <laughs> if you're tuning in, this is the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. Potter Holcomb, he lives on the outskirts of Timber Creek. 
He's there this afternoon. Potter, tell us about the last few days out there near Timber Creek. How's it looking? Well, had a fair bit of rain. Sort of haven't had rain now for, for two days, but before that we sort of got 470 mil there in eight days. And Now the Vic, Vic is on its way down. Well, it's here and um, it's still coming. It's sort of, yeah, it's been, the communities have been evacuated. Some of the lower-lying sections of Timber Creek have been evacuated. A lot of people have moved up, moved up to Wilson Street, which is where we are, which is sort of the higher part, higher part of town. Um, but as as it stands at the minute, the water hasn't gone through the pub or or anything like that. But there uh, there are some houses underwater in the museum. I believe is water's up to the roof with the museum, so it's definitely knocking on the door. Oh dear! Did the organisers of the museum manage to get in there and move, you know, stuff to higher ground? Uh, in a fashion. So, 91, 92, from what I can gather from the people I've spoken to, my father-in-law and other people who, who used to live here then, was the biggest flood. Uh, went through the museum, but they just put everything up on tables and it was right. So, that was done. But uh, obviously, this has surpassed, surpassed those levels uh, fairly majorly. And you mentioned the evacuations. Have you got a sense on how many people have been flown out of Timber Creek itself? Oh, I couldn't tell you numbers, mate. I know there yeah. was yeah, sort of four machines here this morning, a couple of 44s and a Jet Ranger and that, and they, um, from where I'm led to believe, they took them to Yarraland. There was a plane waiting in Yarraland to to transport the communities out uh, to Catherine or Darwin. Um, obviously, the communities, the power has been shut off to two of the communities um, just for the water, the rising water levels. Uh, and then I'm led to believe that one mile and might have still got power, but a lot of them have moved into town as well. And so how are things looking at your place then? Um, so the house, the house is right. We're quite, quite, quite high up in Timber Creek. So if, uh, if our house goes underwater, the rest of, rest of Australia and, and Timber Creek are in a fair bit of trouble. Uh, we're, we're sort of on the side of the hill, so we've got that, got that luxury. But uh, as far as our, oh, our pastoral ground and, and horses and cattle go, there's, uh, yeah, there's not many fences left. Sort of pretty much the same as last year. Yeah. Um, they're all gone, so at least we got a month out of some of those fences, which was nice. Uh, I did fly across them yesterday, and it's pretty hard to tell if we've lost any. They're scattered from one end of the place to the other end. Uh, there's nothing to stop them from wandering out to the park or anywhere else. Um, like you can't actually get to them. The only way to get to them is, is with a helicopter. It is a bit uh, of a repeat of last year. Is it, is it worse or the same? Oh, it's just different. Different schematic. Last year was just that huge amount of local rain that hit us, which washed everything away, which is also what flooded the town. Whereas this year, you know, we did we got four hundred and fifty mil there, and and a lot of the fences were still standing. Just floodgates were gone. Like we were able to go and check on them sort of each day from the highway in a motor car. But uh, and then once the Vic came down and started backing up through Watch Creek and Timber Creek, we had thirty mil one night, and that was all it took because it couldn't go anywhere, and it just broke its banks and wiped everything out. So it sort of came up across the bitumen there briefly. I think, I think it went to the back of the communities there, but it, it dropped back down pretty quickly. Um, but it just had nowhere to go because that big, big surface. So the reality of it is, any local rain now will definitely cause the town to flood, just because that Vic has backed up so much. Like the Vic is in town; it's backed up through Watch Creek, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, surpassed the ninety-one, ninety-two levels there fairly substantially. So, is there much you can do this week, Potter? Uh, not really, not not really. I mean, like there's plenty to do at home here. My wife's got plenty of garden jobs she'd like done. Um, 
Plenty of steak in the freezer. You got plenty in the deep freeze. Cool, we do, mm. we do. That's yeah. one thing we're not going to run out of is is uh, is beef or food. So we're fortunate in that retrospect. Eddie, well, there's blue skies. It seems there is. There the is. Moment, we saw the so. sun today. Yep. So uh, yes, hopefully we'll just see how how much more the Vic does rise. We've sort of been talking to Milton and Christina at Coolabara a fair bit, and uh, it's slowly starting to drop there. But um, yeah, there was a fair bit of rain up towards Inverway River and recently, which. Depending on whereabouts, is definitely the headwaters for the catchment. So there's potentially more coming for the next ten days. Yeah, I hope their homestead's okay. Uh, I think it's I think it's fairly damp from what I can see, mm. uh, from what I've heard. I think there is a bit of water. I don't think it's deep or rushing, but there is a lot of water there. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, anyway. So alrighty then. Well, stay safe and and thanks so much for your time on the Country Hour. No worries, mate. No worries. Cheers, Potter Holcomb. He lives on the outskirts of Timber Creek which is looking very wet as we go to air this afternoon. I've just been sent some pictures from a mate who's flying over the region and uh, these pictures of the Timber Creek Township, you can see the water sort of lapping on, uh, on the edge of so many homes. And as mentioned there by Potter, the poor old museum, the water's up to the roof there at the local museum there in Timber Creek. We'll be speaking to the Weather Bureau at five past one to get the latest. And there's so much going on isn't there. There's not only the weather unfolding in the top end and parts of central Australia and the Barclay, but you've also got that cyclone situation unfolding now for Queensland. So lots to talk about. If you have a question that you want to put to the Weather Bureau, send it through on that text number right now. And so I've got it and we can put it straight to them. So if you've got a question for the Bureau, send it through on 0487 991057. If you have a question for the Bureau this afternoon, 0487 991057. Matt Brand with you this afternoon for the Country Hour. I don't know about you, but I went along to the local supermarket yesterday and options were pretty slim. Picked up some okra and that was about it. <laughs> the fruit and veggie section in particular at one of the major supermarkets in Darwin. It was very, very light on. I've got a statement here to share with you from the rail operator Horizon. Okay, so it has told the Country Hour that it's working with customers and road operators to implement alternative transport for general freight supplies to the Territory, including food and groceries, after heavy localised flooding cut the rail line near Tennant Creek. It says it's operating a rail shuttle between Adelaide and its Alice Springs terminal, with containers then transferred to road for deliveries through to Darwin, and this will allow freight to be delivered into the north as soon as the Stewart Highway is reopened. And as I mentioned a moment ago, the Stewart Highway is open as we go to where, but set to close again at 6 o'clock this evening. I'll get back to this statement from Horizon. It says, localised flooding from intense rainfall in the Carpentaria and Barclay regions has caused damage to the Adelaide to Darwin Railway, approximately 50 kilometres north of Tennant, and as a result, Horizon did close the track between Tennant and Catherine there on Friday. It says initial inspections indicate that damage to several areas of track was caused by this flooding, with the worst damage approximately 500 metres long. 
and says Horizon Cruise will undertake a detailed assessment as soon as they can safely access the track section. And it goes on to say that Horizon continues to liaise with customers, government reps and other stakeholders on the interruptions to our services and the recovery process. So that's the latest from Horizon. Uh, We did our best today to get the Chief Executive on, but they're busy, as you can appreciate, and we'll hopefully hear from the company in the coming days. But that's the current situation. As I said, speaking to the Bureau at five past one, if you have a question, send it through on that text line. Up next, we'll be talking about a live export ship that was on its way to the Middle East. It was in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's got cattle on board. It's got sheep on board. And now it's been ordered to turn around and come back to Australia. More details for you next. It is seven to one, and you are tuned into the Country Hour. A live export ship carrying sheep and cattle destined for the Middle East is now on its way back to Australia after being diverted from travelling through the Red Sea because of safety concerns. Over the weekend, the industry regulator, the Department of Ag, it ordered the exporting company to immediately return this consignment of livestock to Australia. So the MV Bahiza, which is loaded with about 15,000 sheep and 2,000 head of cattle, it's now expected back in Australia at a port yet to be determined in about a week's time. Chief Executive of the Australian Livestock Exporters Council, Mark Harvey Sutton, says under the circumstances, returning the ship with all the livestock on board is the best option. Look, uh, when uh, a vessel goes, you, you take a certain amount of uh, fodder uh, for the animals. Uh, and it's my understanding that, and of course, repatriation or uh, returning to Australia is obviously a complex exercise, uh, given Australia's very robust uh, biosecurity frameworks. Uh, so the fact that the vessel has not docked uh, in any other port, uh, has not taken on supplies uh, in any port, uh, means that the biosecurity risk can be managed. Uh, and so a decision was made that let's return them uh, and we will manage the biosecurity uh, and there is sufficient supplies on board for the animals uh, to make sure that their welfare is assured. So what happens to the livestock when they eventually arrive back in Australia? What are the options? Uh, There's a couple of things that can happen. It can be re-exported or perhaps they will be processed uh, domestically, Uh, but that all needs to be confirmed. That's That's a decision that the exporter will have to make in consultation with the department, and I'm not privy Uh, to those discussions, but there's certainly procedures and processes that can be put in place, uh, and that's what they'll be looking at at the moment. Over the weekend, the RSPCA was calling on all live exporters to immediately implement a voluntary suspension of all live export voyages to destinations that are in or near regions of conflict. How appropriate is that? I think it's, uh, sadly, I think that's very inappropriate, Belinda, because... But why, considering uh, the circumstances with these the attacks on commercial vessels in this region? As we know, the RSPCA has a mandate to stop live exports no matter what, uh, and uh, they do not have to deal with the implications. I think it is very advantageous and opportunistic of them to be using uh, what is a very tumultuous period Uh, globally uh, to their advantage. Uh, Have no doubt we will be putting animal welfare and safety of people uh, ahead of anything. Uh, But I think it is overly simplistic to simply say, well, we should stop uh, trading to this region. 
Now, we're waiting for Murray Watt, the Federal Agriculture Minister, to announce plans for a phase-out of the live sheep trade. Could this conflict in the Red Sea actually kill off the trade prior to the release of the government's phase-out plans? No, it won't do that. Uh, And we don't just supply the Red Sea uh, in the Middle East, Belinda. And as, as the Minister has been at pains to articulate, and he wants this to be a very orderly uh, process, uh, and he is taking advice from his independent panel, which uh, we are awaiting uh, the outcome from. Uh, but to if, if this was to prompt uh, or to speed up any uh, political decisions, which we know uh, is wrong and we continue to oppose, I think that would be uh, very inappropriate. Um, and ultimately, the issue that we have at the moment is making sure that we can maintain trade uh, and maintain animal welfare and the safety of the crew to the region. So, mm. I guess uh, the last thing you'd want, though, is one of these ships going into this region and uh, finding itself under attack. I mean, oh, that's the worst case scenario. That, 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 is, that is correct, Belinda, and that's why uh, the Bahesia diverted. That was why they turned around. Let me assure you, the exporters take in, into account all of these factors, as do the shipping companies, uh, whether that's the exporter themselves or the shipping company they engage. All of these things are factors that they take into account. Uh, it's very complex, uh, but I can assure you that every consideration is being made around that. And you're right, that is not the situation that we want. And uh, I have every confidence that the, the processes that people are going through at the moment will ensure that that does not occur. That's Mark Harvey Sutton, who's the Chief Executive of the Australian Livestock Exporters Council, speaking to Belinda Varischetti. Earlier this morning, the Federal Minister for Agriculture, Murray Watt, spoke to RN's Patricia Carvelis and gave this update on the live export ship. This is another sign that, that the Red Sea conflict is impacting on Australia in all sorts of ways. Uh, you may have seen that there was a live export uh, ship with, uh, with sheep and cattle bound for Jordan, uh, which was going to run into difficulty trying to get to its destination. There were, um, understandably, animal welfare concerns raised uh, about the treatment of those animals if the journey had to be significantly extended. And as a result of that, the Department of Agriculture, which is the regulator of live exports, has ordered that ship to turn around and come back to Australia. We didn't want to see an animal welfare problem arise uh, because of an extended journey that the ship might not have been prepared for. So uh, I don't have the exact, exact uh, position of that ship uh, with me at the moment, but it, is, it has been turned around and we'll be heading back to Australia shortly. What assurances are you getting about the conditions on board? Are animal welfare standards being upheld? That's certainly the advice of my department, uh, which, as I say, is the regulator of these things. Um, We want to make sure that animal welfare is always at the forefront of live exports, uh, whether we're talking about sheep or cattle. You'd be familiar, I'm sure, that our government went to the last two elections with a commitment to phase out uh, the export of live sheep, and that's a commitment we intend to carry out. Uh, and uh, maintaining animal welfare is a key reason for doing so. That is the Federal Minister for Agriculture, Murray Watt. You can read more about this online if you search for ABC Rural. It's time to go to the newsroom because it's one o'clock. I'll see you back here in five minutes for a chat with the Weather Bureau. And as mentioned, if you have a question for the Bureau, send it through on that text line 0487 99157. See you back here in five. G'day, my name's Trevor Derling. I work for Parent Water and you're listening to The Country Hour.
Matt Brown with you this afternoon. Big thanks to Dan the Man Fitzgerald and Annie Brown for looking after the program while I've been away. I've got back and it's wet, extremely wet. Rivers are up, roads are cut, supermarket shelves are looking bare in the top end. If you missed our first half, then you missed a lot, including our chat with Max, the truck driver, who yesterday was flown out of a flooded Victoria River Roadhouse. You got $480,000 worth of truck there, plus your trailers and freight. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty daunting, mate. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's replaceable, sort of. We aren't, and from the time we moved from the roadhouse, which was a mad scramble on Saturday morning because the water had come around the back of us, and then started flowing through the the parking bay where we were parked. So we we got it up there and um, pretty quick. And that that was the highest ground we could um, scatter to. Yeah, Max the trucky flown out of a flooded Vic River Roadhouse. Floodwaters from the Vic River have gone straight through the petrol station, the roadhouse, the caravan park. And Max is now sitting in Bustleton, Tubby Way. Uh, he had quite the story to share and I love I love how how territory it is that uh, he was there in his truck floodwaters all around him and he spotted a few crocodiles as you do as you do uh, if you missed that chat with Max the truckie that'll be up on our podcast later on this afternoon uh, in a moment we'll be talking about cotton there's about 15,000 hectares of cotton planted in the Northern Territory this year a lot of that is dryland cotton so it needs rain, wet season rains. How is the crop looking at the moment? You'll get an update very soon on the Country Hour. But first, let's go to the Weather Bureau. Lots going on. Juliet Barsden is there this afternoon. Uh, Juliet, first up, let's talk about rainfall figures for the 72-hour period over the weekend up to 9 o'clock this morning. What are some of the biggest totals? Um, there was 144 millimetres in the Barclay District at Tennant Creek Airport, uh, Victoria River District, 136 at Sunshine Bore, uh, 132 at Upper Wickham River, 102 at Supplejack, 103 at Upper Townsend Creek, 116 at Cattle Creek, 114 at Coolabar, uh, 231 at Upper Victoria River. Uh, so some pretty large totals there over the 72 hours, which has contributed to that flooding of the area. Yeah. And just looking at top-end radars as we go to air this afternoon, looks like plenty of squally storms drifting across the northwest, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of good fast-moving showers and a few sparks of, of, of lightning in that. The tropical low that uh, has caused a, a lot of this flooding, where is it at the moment? What is it doing? So that tropical low, that was over us on the weekend, over the central parts of the NT and in the early hours of this morning, it's finally moved off into WA. So it was over the Kimberley this morning and it's uh, tracking um, west to southwest and possibly uh, might be in the, looks like it'll be in the Pilbara um, during, during midweek. Okay. And meanwhile, over in Queensland, what's the latest on this tropical cyclone? 
Yes, so we have a tropical low in the Coral Sea, which looks likely to develop into a tropical cyclone. Uh, we're referring to the tropical low by its identifier 05U, the one that was now over WA, we're referring to a 03U. Mm. Um, so the 05U um, is likely to develop the track map out for it, um, so can keep abreast of those warnings. So um, from Friday, the the system is expected to become an inland rain depression and heavy rainfall may develop across central and southern inland as well as southeast Queensland over the weekend as mm. the um, system tracks south. Um, what could it mean for the Barkley in central Australia? Well, um, there's still lots of different tracks it can take that far out, but I um, mean, there's a chance that as we um, go into next week, we might might be looking at a low moving into the Barkley, um, possibly, but it yeah. could it could boomerang back around into the Coral Sea. So we really don't know that far far ahead what it will will do. Yeah, I'm just looking at the tracking map for this system now, and it's got come the 25th of January. The cyclone sitting at a Category 3 system and sort of a bit off the coast near Townsville. But as you say, a lot can change. A lot can happen between now and the yeah, 25th so of January. Yeah, on Monday, um, it, it could be a, a tropical cyclone or, or it might not be. There's a moderate chance and it could be in the NT or it could be out in the Coral Sea. It could even be outside of the Australian sort of region. So, yeah, a lot of uncertainty out to this time next week. Now, how do we summarise all the flood warnings in the Northern Territory? What do people really need to know as we go to air this afternoon? Oh, gosh. Um, so the situation is easing, which is the good news. Um, so uh, the current flood flooding situation um, will hopefully not, not get worse. So we've got um, moderate flood easing at Kakarinji, which is great news. Um, and river levels in the lower Victoria catchment are likely to... Um, have are likely to have exceeded the 1991 record flooding. So, so really um, significant flooding around that way. Yeah. Um, we heard earlier flooding. that the poor old museum there at uh, Timber Creek, the water's up to the roof. And I've heard from a few locals, they feel the river is still rising there at Timber Creek. Ooh. Does that match what you've got, Juliet? Um, it could be. Um, there's a, a lot of different uh, flood flood. Um, areas to keep abreast of and uh, right. there's a lot of observations coming through so um right because i've actually got, I've got a question from the audience and it's you know how, how confident is the bureau about the data coming in from the vic river at the moment um some of the data has been problematic just because with the, the flood coming in so high um um, not all of it has been accurate, so we've been having to do manual observations at some of the sites. <laughs> Is it true at Kalkarenji it's up to the police officer with a stick? Oh, gosh, I don't know about that one, okay. but <laughs> it, it might well be because I think that is one of the sites we've had to go do, and do go, uh, go manual switch observations. Switch into manual yeah. mode. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the week ahead for the Northern Territory in terms of rainfall, what's the expectation? So for the week ahead, um, it's it's likely that the rainfall is mainly eased. However, there's still a chance of severe thunderstorms over, which could possibly happen over the the Barkley and the Tanami today and tomorrow, which may produce heavy rainfall. Or tomorrow there could be some thunderstorms 
uh, which have the capacity to produce uh, damaging wind gusts in the south uh, west. Um, <coughs> but the broad sort of trend is that we've lost that synoptic broad scale heavy rain. So uh, fingers crossed we we don't have too much more heavy rainfall in the cards, but there could be some isolated heavy falls with thunderstorms. Yeah. All right. Thank you for keeping us up to date. Appreciate it. Have a great day. That's uh, Julia Buzzin there at the Weather Bureau. In terms of roads, I mean, you jump on the Road Report NT website and there's just so many roads that are now out of action. The main ones to talk about are the Victoria Highway. It is closed. Forget about that. Have you seen the pictures of the Vic River? It's just, it's just a no-go at the moment. And the Stewart Highway is temporarily open as we go to where, but is set to be closed again this evening at 6 p.m. So if you are planning any travel, be aware of that and stay up to date via that Road Report NT, the Secure NT website, and of course the ABC, your emergency broadcaster. Our text number is 0487 Got a message here from Sean. He says, the interviewer on the ABC a moment ago conducting an interview about live exports sounded extremely biased against live export. Our ABC is meant to be neutral says Sean on 0487991057. How is the cotton crop in the Territory looking after all of this rain? We'll talk about this next. G'day, my name's John Lyon and I work with compost in the Northern Territory to help farmers improve their soils. Compost and mulches are absolutely essential to good farming in hot climates like ours. And you're listening to The Country Hour. It is 14 past one. Matt Brown with you this afternoon for the Country Hour. The Territory has this year planted its largest ever cotton crop with about 15,000 hectares in the ground. And of course, most of that is dryland cotton. So wet season rains are very, very important. So far, these plants have suffered through a late and pretty hot start to the wet season. But now, of course, the monsoon has arrived and these cotton crops are getting a lot of rain. Angus Marshall is the new research extension and development agronomist for Catherine, and he says the plants, the crops so far, are coping well. Yeah, so it's been a mixed bag of rainfall, I'm sure, as everyone will know, uh, across the north. Um, You know, we had a pretty dry start, unfortunately, especially around Catherine, but Crops that were planted um, got some good follow-up rainfall are looking really good. Um, in terms of how they've fared with this, this latest monsoonal rainfall, um, fortunately enough that, you know, here in the north there's a lot of undulating country and the soil, you know, the water runs off quite quickly. So the co- cotton can fare pretty well um, as long as it's not underground for a period of time, basically. And um, could this extreme amount of rain be bad news for growers? Um, yes and no. It's it's always good to see this rain, especially after the um, the dry period we've had. Um, you know, in cases where some people might have experienced some heavy downpours and and stuff like that, you can get a lot of erosion and you know washing soil away from around the plant. So yeah, it really depends on you know how quickly that rainfall's fallen over you know the different periods. How how much is too much rain? Yeah, that one's a bit hard to answer. Too much rain, it depends on, you know, what's happening in the soil. So if the soil becomes waterlogged, um, any sort of rain can be detrimental. But, you know, the soils up here are, are quite light and, and we get water runoff quite quickly. So 
you know, some heavy downpours might have some effects on cotton, but yeah, it really depends on how long that that cotton plant is is saturated or how long that that soil is saturated by the water. And so you're new to the region. What have you learnt from um, living here so far and doing doing your work here? Yeah, look, it's been you know really really exciting to move up here and take a new challenge on assisting with cotton production here in northern Australia. Um, I'm still learning a lot. Um, the big surprises to me so far are the you know the complexity of issues, the unpredictability of of the wet season as we've seen so far to the start of the year, and and then some of the other challenges um, that come along with growing cotton in the north, like um, cloudy weather is a really big one for cotton up here. Yeah, cloudy weather. Why is that a big thing here? So like any other plant, um, cotton needs sunlight to grow. Um, cotton needs quite a lot of sunlight to grow, and you know, cloudy weather is the only thing in cotton production that we really can't control. So, you know, without getting too sciencey, um, all that sort of thing, basically it reduces photosynthetic activity in the cotton plant and will cause it to, you know, will cause a number of issues, reduce photosynthetic activity, which will cause um, a event which is called fruit shedding where the cotton will drop, you know, any immature small fruit onto the ground. It'll basically abort those fruiting sites. You know, at the end of the day, we do get a quite, a, quite a lot of sunlight, but it's those, you know, prolonged periods of, you know, five to ten days of, you know, reduced sunlight that really have an impact on the cotton. So with the wet season, we can see that from time to time. That is Angus Marshall, who's an agronomist based in Catherine, speaking to Jan Kahoot. And of course, the Territory's first ever cotton gin has been officially opened. If you missed our coverage of that event in December, it's all up online. If you jump onto Google and type in NT Cotton Gin ABC, it's the story right at the top. You can click on that, see some pictures of that official opening, listen to some interviews. It's all up on the website if you want to go and check that out. Now, on the topic of cotton, this is big business news. This, Louis Dreyfus Company says the acquisition of Nemoy Cotton, which is Australia's largest cotton ginner, says it will add value to the entire industry. On Friday, the two companies entered into a binding agreement subject to regulatory and shareholder approval. LDC's Australian Managing Director, Tony Geitz, says the deal will deliver value to growers and that no major changes are planned for Nemoy. We've had a 10-year association with Namoy Cotton. In 2013, we became a uh, significant minority investor in Namoy. And since then, we've established two joint ventures between the two companies. And we've been actively working with uh, Namoy Cotton's management you know, as partners for over 10 years. The investment in Namoy Cotton is really... Uh, very much aligned with LDC's commitment uh, to Australian agriculture and in particular the uh, the Australian cotton industry. Um, you know, we've been active in Australia for, you know, over a century sort of originating, processing, exporting, you know, cotton, grains and oilseeds. From a grower point of view, could there be some, some benefits there like lower ginning costs or marketing overheads or is it uh, too early to say... Look, I think the main benefit for growers is just a, you know, being able to deal with a global merchant that's got, you know, a large ginning and logistics operations uh, footprint here. 
and really allows us to sort of enhance our product offering, I guess, to, um, to cotton growers in Australia. Been speaking to a few growers who have expressed positive sentiment about the deal, and some growers have also expressed some concerns around potentially having a, a one less marketing option out there. Should growers be concerned? We understand the range of opinions from growers regarding the news of the acquisition. Our proposed strategic move aims to strengthen LDC support for the Australian cotton exports globally and also to strengthen our service proposition for local farmers through an expanded ginning and logistics uh, network. Our plan is really to continue operating all the Nemoy cotton gins, maintaining a presence in Toowoomba and retaining the Nemoy cotton brand name. The investment aligns, you know, with LDC's century-long commitment to Australian agriculture and the cotton industry. Um, We're keen to build on our service offerings to Australian farmers and the global reputation of the Australian cotton industry. And we very much look forward to working collaboratively with uh, the farming community to sort of achieve shared outcomes and success with the industry. And just looking to the next few months, with uh, plenty of cotton crops in the ground. Uh, how's the, the ginning season shaping up for you? It's going to be another big crop. We estimate the 2024 crop will be somewhere between 4.5 and 5 million bales. Um, so that's a bit, of a, a bit of a drop from 2023 where we produced about 5.5 million bales. It'll probably take about seven or eight months, you know, to gin a crop of that size. But generally... Uh, you know, demand for Australian cotton globally is is good. We've got, you know, we've got an expectation that prices will remain fairly solid, subject to the, you know, to the Australian dollar. So, so the outlook's pretty favourable. That is Tony Geitz, who is from Louis Dreyfus Company, speaking to Brandon Long. And, of course, Louis Dreyfus is also co-operating the cotton gin that's been built to the north of Catherine. Somewhere here on the text says, Wow, awesome. More multinationals taking over Australia. Monopolies? Question marks. There's someone here on the text, 0487991057. Now, up next on the Country Hour, we are heading to Tamworth. The Country Music Festival is on. And up next, you'll be meeting... The winner of this year's Star Maker competition. His name is Wade Foster. He refers to himself as the Winton Cowboy. <laughs> and this is one of his tunes. It's called Cigarettes. That is Wade Foster and the tune Cigarettes. And well done to Wade because he's been crowned the winner of this year's Star Maker competition at the Tamworth Country Music Festival. Previous winners of this award include Lee Kernigan, Becky Cole and Keith Urban. So he joins a pretty decent list. Uh, Wade was born and raised in outback Queensland and apparently bought his first guitar off Facebook for 50 bucks. (laughs) He had a chat to Denny Kennedy after winning that award. Absolutely speechless, mate. It was like, yeah, I, I can't explain how it felt. You know, I was up against a great class of people and it was a really hard decision for the judges, but I just I put it out there like I always do, like cowboy all or nothing, and I guess hard work pays off, and I just didn't have any words, mate. Like it was really, really one of the best moments of my life. And speaking of the moment, the lead-up to it, of course, there's a concert, and there's a fair bit on the weekend before you actually get to the judging. Uh, what were you involved in uh, over the weekend? Oh, uh, pop-up tours, 
you know, meet and greets and stuff like that and having to do interviews. And there was a lot to it, a lot more than I could list. Yeah, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> but it's been well worth it. Oh, it's been worth it every minute, yeah. Some of the previous winners, of course, are star maker people like Lee Kernigan and Becky Cole and Brad Cox and uh, many other great names of country music. What's it like to be sort of on a list with them? Oh, it makes me feel like I've like made a name for myself a little bit, accomplished something. I'd like put Witten on the map, definitely. Put North Queensland on the map. So, you know, just proud of where I'm from and proud of what I do. And have you heard from the family uh, regarding uh, your win last night? Yeah, Dad called me up when I had the chance. I had to, I had to go have a moment for myself. I grabbed a beer and went and talked to Dad. And Mum come down here and watched. And my little sister sent me a message. And yeah, now I've been getting a lot of a lot of praise. And I thank everyone for the messages. I'll be getting back to you directly. I'm just going to be a bit busy for the next couple of days. I dare say. So, Wade, what happens next? Uh, now that uh, you've uh, won the Star Maker, uh, you're still in Tamworth uh, immediately. Yep. I suppose you've got uh, more, uh, I suppose, engagements, and then uh, for the rest of 2024. Yeah, I, uh, I'm still trying to register everything, but yeah, from what I know, I've got a busy week ahead of me, and I don't even know where to start. I'm just listening. I'm, I'm just going to be a worker and listen to what they say and do what they want me to do. And then after that, uh, I think you've got plans to head over to uh, to the USA? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to do a few shows over there with Cody Johnson, but um, I'll have to talk to him about a lot of things now with Star Maker, but I'm sure we can work something out so I could go over there and you know, sing it, sing it in the big time. That is Wade Foster, who has won this year's Star Maker competition at the Tamworth Country Music Festival. Hails from Winton in outback Queensland. So well done to Wade. Someone here on the text says, he reminds me of Garth Brooks. Decent voice, deserving winner. Gee, that's a good rap. Might try and send that to Wade. <laughs> You'd love to be compared to Garth Brooks, one of the greats, one of the greats. Now, that's all we've got time for on today's Country Hour. And what a busy program. If you missed our top story, our chat with Max the Truckie, who got evacuated out of a flooded Vic River Roadhouse. So that interview will be up on our podcast later on this afternoon. A reminder, the Stewart Highway has reopened, albeit temporarily. It is set to close at 6pm this evening. Stay up to date via ABC Radio, your emergency broadcaster, and I'll catch you again tomorrow. Keep it rural.